I would like to introduce Howdy folks, my name is Matthew Dvorak. Welcome back to the Chivo Effect, part of the Uplift United Podcast Network. Every week I'll bring you the biggest stories in sports and break them down. We got a lot to go over. We missed last week, so we're going to hop right in. Oh, So, Carson Wentz, starting off with that, that big trade. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles have agreed to trade Carson Wentz to the Colts for a 2021 third-round draft pick and a conditional 2022 second-rounder. Now, it's conditional because it could turn into a first-rounder under the right circumstances. Uh, The Eagles received the 85th overall pick in this year's draft, and then that second-rounder, like we talked about. Um, It can turn into a first-rounder based on Wentz's playing time, basically – if Wentz plays at least 75% of the Colts' offensive snaps in 2022 for the season, that conditional pick will convey to a first-rounder. Now, first impression is good for everybody here. You know, Wentz gets his trade out of Philadelphia that he was one. Indy desperately needed a quarterback after Phillip Rivers. You know, they had Jacoby Brissett in that bridge year between Andrew Luck and Phillip Rivers signing there in free agency. They even went 11-5 and and made the playoffs this past year with Phillip Rivers, but we all knew his arm was going down. This was more of like a lightning try to catch lightning in a bottle strike while the iron's hot type thing uh they have a good defense he just wasn't that dude to lead them on the offense and they got eliminated in the first round of the playoffs by the buffalo bills so they needed a quarterback desperately and without having to give up first this year they got that they didn't even give a second they gave up a third this year and only possibly a first next year i would assume it would be i don't see a reason carson wentz wouldn't start 75 percent unless he just tanks that hard and they would have to go back to, you know, if they were signed Joby, Jacoby Brissett this year to be as the backup or somebody else. We'll see. But I would anticipate that Carson Wentz is going to get his 75% of those snaps at least, and that's going to turn into a first-round pick. Now, the big question behind all this, though, is what, you know, all of this, in my opinion, the who wins, who loses of the situation, we'll get to that here in a little bit. Everything about this trade and how it shakes out depends on Carson Wentz. Can Frank Reich, the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, fix Carson Wentz? He was his offensive coordinator in 2017 when he was having that stellar MVP year in Philly before he got hurt. Of course, that was the same year that Nick Foles came in as that backup. They were that number one seed in the playoffs, but they were always the underdog. They went on that tear. Nick Foles had an incredible offseason, one of the most best ever. Capped it off with that nice little Philly special play and a nice little shootout win against Tom Brady, no less, in a Super Bowl to either bring them Philly's first Super Bowl championship. Now, if there's anyone that can fix Carson Wentz, it might be him. Again, Wentz had his best professional year by far with Frank Reich as the offense coordinator. Um, Reich really likes him. And ultimately, you know, he has to believe that he can. He wouldn't, one, you wouldn't make this trade if you looked at the situation and said to yourself, no, I can't fix it. This kid's too far gone mentally. He's too broken down, too in his own head, too, whatever the case is at that point. I can't fix him. Surely you wouldn't test this, bring him in if you didn't think he could fix him. So Reich must be confident in it. And he's got to believe, I would assume, that he can bring Wentz back to what he was before before the injury, before all this mental stuff, before Nick Foles and Javen Hurts and getting benched. Now, ultimately, this whole thing with Carson Wentz was a gamble from start to finish. In 2016, they had to give up multiple draft compensation picks, including multiple first-round picks and some second and thirds, to even get up to the number two spot to take him in that draft. Of course, the Rams took the number one pick in a trade to get Jared Goff. 
the Eagles traded up to get Carson Wentz. In that trade, the Eagles got the number two pick in 2016 and a 2017 fourth round pick. Now, the Cleveland Browns, who they made this trade with, got their number eight pick in the 2016 draft, the number 77 pick, which is the third rounder in 2016, the fourth round pick, number 100 in 2016, their 2017 first rounder, and a 2018 second rounder. Folks, I'm going to let you all know now, that 2018 second rounder, you know who that turned into? Nick Chubb. So Cleveland got a pretty good deal out of all that. That was when they were going through that period. You know, They took Miles Garrett in 2017 in the first round. They took Baker Mayfield in 2018 in the first round. You know, they had multiple first round picks both those years, and that's when they were just dealing and wheeling. They were doing what OKC is kind of doing now. They were just amassing picks for this, and it's worked out for them. But I digress. So they do all that to get him. We get to 2019, beginning of 2019 season, right before it. They signed Carson Wentz to a four year, $128 million extension, over $100 million guaranteed. The thing is about NFL contracts, when you sign them, they don't, it's not like in some other sports, they will they overtake that contract and it just starts. That just tacks onto the end of the current. So he was still getting paid his rookie base salary through 2019 and 2020. That extension that they signed him to, he will never actually see a dime of that through the Philadelphia Eagles organization because that kicks in this year for the 2021 season. So the Eagles are going to take a 33.8 million dead cap hit, a $34 million lump to the head. That's the largest dead money in NFL history. And they are taking that hard. But can you imagine that? Can you imagine looking at, oh, what would be, let's see, they said the cap floor is going to start at $185 million, or the cap ceiling is going to be $185 million this year for the next season. So you're taking almost you know, 20% to a quarter of your cap and just bam to the head right there. I'm sorry, about a sixth of your cap. Over 10%, which is ridiculous for a guy you're not even going to have. But he wanted out that bad and was starting to make a stink and a fuss. You kind of, for the sake of continuity and, you know, chemistry in the locker room, everything, you kind of just had to get rid of him. You needed to clean house. You'd already fired Frank Peterson, the coach. You kind of just had to get rid of the quarterback, too, and start fresh with the whole debacle. So you did what you needed to do in trading him, in my opinion. As for the whole who won, the Eagles or the Colts, time's going to tell. Like I said earlier, right now, it kind of more or less worked for everybody. Like I said, Carson Wentz got out of town where he was going. He didn't feel appreciated. I mean, you got to think, that dude was having the most stellar, playing the best football of his career, professional or otherwise, in 2017. He and they eventually got to a 12-4, and four, and I think they were 12-1 and one at that point, maybe 11 and two, regardless. He was playing stellar football and they were on their way to the number one seed in the NFC. Definitely about to win the NFC East and they had clinched it already. And you have to watch Nick Foles, the backup, come in. He takes, you know, he wins that Super Bowl. He rides out through the season, has the incredible playoffs. The Philly Philly is a legendary play. It's going to go down as maybe the best play in Philadelphia Eagles history. They built a statue of it outside the stadium. You come back into camp that next year to be the starting quarterback, and they build a statue of the backup in the most special play when they won a Super Bowl out there. What is that going to do to you? And then, of course, this past offseason in the 2020 draft, they took Jalen Hurts in the second round um, out of Oklahoma as a quarterback. 
so and things just got worse and worse and worse over this year until they eventually benched him. Jalen Hurts came in. He had a pretty good for a good little showing an exhibition through four games, five games for a rookie. He did pretty good, but ultimately at that point they knew the season was lost and it was just kind of a we just got to see what we got out of this. We we just have to see at this point. We can't do any worse, right? And they didn't. So Carson Wentz had to ultimately, you know, he didn't want to be there anymore. Of course he didn't want to be. Why would you want to be in that situation? And so the Eagles kind of had to get rid of him. I'm sure it's a large, it's not the cap hit you want to take and everything, but it's better than just sitting on a guy who wants to hold out after you start paying him or worse yet, just becomes a cancer in the locker room with his attitude because he didn't want to be there. So good for the Colts because they needed a quarterback. Good for Carson Wentz because he got out of there like he wanted. Eagles get the worst of it, but they also ultimately, I think, will be better off for it because they can at least start building towards the future at this point, especially if that, you know, that first round pick becomes so in 2022 versus a second. That could be a good little thing for you there. You never know. But like I said, it's going to come down to Carson Wentz's mental state and Frank Reich fix him in a sense, but also just help him get over whatever he's in because he's in a slump and he's got to get out. If he can't, it's going to be a short drain to the rest of his career just being gone. So we shall see. Other NFL news here. J.J. Watt released by the Houston Texans uh, in a very not necessarily surprising move, but still just kind of stunning. Uh, after nine, ten seasons with the Houston Texans is being drafted in 2011. That's a full decade there. He's released by the Texans in a mutual parting of ways. He posted a video to his Twitter last week. And he thanked the city, thanked the fans, you know, general leaving the same, leaving the team stuff. And just decided and in, in revealed in the video that he had sat down with Cal McNair, the owner of the Houston Texans, and said, you know, I would like to be released and go from there. And they agreed to be the best thing to do at that time. The next before, you know, before we get into the next question everyone has in their mind, which is where does he go, right? Who, who does he sign with? You know, we'll talk about the Vegas odds, who I think he'd be best with. Anything like that. Let's just do a decade with the Houston Texans. Here's where J.J. Watts sits so far in his NFL career. Three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 2012, 2014, 2015. That's three out of four years, folks. That means from the time he was drafted in 2011 until about probably 2016, I'd say, he was the single most dominant defensive player in that span. He's solidified himself which Aaron Donald has something to say about, but he solidified himself, in my opinion, as the greatest <clears throat> defensive player in our generation and easily a first ballot Hall of Famer. Five-time first-team All-Pro, four straight years from 2012 to 2015. That's 2012, 13, 14, and 15, and then as well as 2018. Five-time Pro Bowler in all those same years, he was the first-team All-Pro. Two-time sack leader in the NFL in 2012 and 2015, a member of the 100 Sacks Club, officially at 101 as of the end of this year. Dude's pretty damn good. Now, granted, with his injuries, you know, starting in like 2016 and a few years after that, he's had back surgeries, he's had injuries. His He's on the other side of 30, so his body's not the same what it used to be. He's not the same guy. He's not, you know, necessarily the same. Not as much quickness and doesn't always have that same power. Still has all that same heart, though. And he still, he had five and a half sacks last year. He still can be good for, I think, between 
seven to nine. Sometimes if you're really having a good year, hitting double digit sacks that year, still low double digits. JJ Watt on the other side of his career is still a guy that can make an impact. He's still somebody you have to account for, and he can still play ball in this league. Vegas has his best odds right now as being landing in Pittsburgh. Obviously, you know his brothers both play there, Derek Watt and TJ Watt. So the connection there. Also, Green Bay is the other favorite. He, you know, went to college from Wisconsin, grew up there, got family out there still. I think has a house out there, I'm sure. So big connection to the area. So that's the other one as well. Um, I've advocated on this show before for him to go play in Pittsburgh. I'd like to say that in the reality. If nothing else, just to say I was right and I called it. But I think it'd be cool. You know, Bud Dupree is still going to be coming off that ACL surgery from the first part of the year. So they need somebody on the edge. And wouldn't it just be kick-ass to watch those two eat up people from outside together? What a one-two punch and a cool thing, especially for all those brothers to be playing together like that in one team. That's got to be a cool little dream to live out. But playing in Green Bay as well, he's got a connection to the area. You can go play on defense that's definitely improved over the last year. You can get to play with Aaron fucking Rodgers if you want with that offense. Obviously on defense, but you know you have that for your offense. A competent team and a coach, and an organization that can put it together well. A lot of speculation. I'm sure my uh, my esteemed producer Sam Gladen likes this. A lot of rumors point towards Cleveland. Apparently he's been shopping for homes in a Cleveland suburb, and a lot of it is speculation at this point. Even JJ Watt, some dude on Twitter was heckling him like, "Can you pick a team already?" And he was like, bro, it takes me an hour to pick something off a of DoorDash. I'm going to take a little more time on my free agency. All right? Respect to you, JJ. You're a normal person just like the rest of us, except for your freakish athletic ability, defensive prowess. So Cleveland is another possible spot for him for sure. Um, like I said, mostly internet conjecture, but it could happen. He could go somewhere, like maybe in Tampa Bay. I've heard a lot of that thrown around a couple of times because the word is they're not going to be able to keep Shaq Barrett because he's gonna demand, he's gonna get paid somewhere probably, and it's not gonna be Tampa Bay. They don't have the cap space for that. Um, so they'll need a veteran presence down there on the edge, and where better place to go? You know, play with all the other old guys on that defense with Tom Brady on that offense. What better place to go to try to win a ring than the guys who just won it, and the guys who still probably have the best odds to do it? Uh, just as the wild Dallas Cowboys fan here, I'm just gonna do this one. Come to Dallas, JJ. We'd use you. We'd love you. Be great to have you, opposite of Demarcus Lawrence. Maybe we could actually get something going on that odd defense. <clears throat> Highly doubtful, but a guy can dream, right? I'd buy a JJ Watt Dallas jersey. That'd be a cool thing to see. Other news with Houston Texans as well. We're still on Deshaun Watson watch. The internet's eating up all these trade rumors, guys. Right now we have Panthers, the Carolina Panthers, and the Denver Broncos look like they're going to make a big swing at him as well. Um, Panthers are making a lot of moves. You know, declining guys' contracts. Not resigning people, clearing the cap space up. Both Carolina and Denver have about almost forty million, about thirty-nine point eight or nine. So, like I said, almost forty million each in cap space. Uh, Carolina has pick number eight. Denver has pick number nine, respectively, in this draft in twenty twenty-one draft. So, the biggest drawback of both of these teams making a trade, um, other than the fact that the Texans have still come out and said they're standing pat and they're not going to trade him. We'll see about that one. But the other drawback that with these two teams is they might both possibly, even at just picks eight or nine, be too late to guarantee that if they were to make that trade, the Texans would get a quarterback in this draft. 
you know, other than Trevor Lawrence, who's slated to go number one, almost guaranteed, we have Justin Fields out of Ohio State. You have Zach Wilson out of BYU. You have Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. Some even say Mac Jones has impressed Carolina a lot, and there's some speculation that he wouldn't fall below eight if Carolina, if he's there when Carolina's drafting. So we'll see. But there's still no guarantees. I mean, it could go one, two, three, four, five. You never know. You never know in something like this. So that could be a turnoff. But I just, I don't know what the Texans are going to do, man. I don't know what they think they're doing. I mean, they're standing tall and taking Deshaun Watson, but he doesn't want to play there. He said he'll sit out, and I believe he would. He'll lose paychecks. And I think once they realize that cutting paychecks isn't going to cut it, that the dude just doesn't want to be there, got to let him go. No point in holding him. Free Deshaun Watson, in my opinion. Make that hashtag. Free Deshaun. Probably already out there, but do it anyways. <laughs> Moving on to some baseball here. Fernando Toddy Jr. of the San Diego Padres gets paid, paid, paid. Fernando Toddy Jr. of the San Diego Padres agreed to a record-breaking 14-year extension. They announced this last week. It is worth $340 million. Now, that 14 years is the longest baseball contract of all time in MLB history. MLB history. Uh, $340 million, I think, second most total value, only behind Mike Trout's 430 It goes above Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, what they said a couple years ago. Uh, He will have a full no-trade clause for all 14 years of this deal as well, according to sources. Here's the crazy thing about this to me. This kid is 22 years old. 22. He is 22 years old in a sport that does not pay dudes until they're at least 25, 26, 27. It's built around that. It's built around the entirety of I'm getting your first and possibly most productive years cheap as fuck. And from there, then if you prove worthy, I'll pay you. He has 22 years old, and he has already signed a $340 million extension. He's the youngest player ever to get this much money by far. And in 143 career games across two seasons of San Diego, remember, he played plenty in – that first season when we had a regular season. Last year, obviously, due to COVID, it was only the 60-game season. So not much you can take out of that. But over his whole body of work so far, he's batted 301 batting average, 374 on-base percentage, 582 slugging. That puts him at a 956 OPS over two seasons with 39 home runs and 27 stolen bases. That is exceptional production for anybody over that span, let alone a guy that young. And let alone a shortstop. Shortstops have never been known to be the offensive guys. They've always been defensive-minded. But he can do it all. He can do it both. This last year, he won a Silver Slugger Award and finished third in the NFL NL MVP voting. As a kid, this kid is 22 years old. He is electric. He is the face of this campaign movement, the Let the Kids Play I know you guys have all seen it. Ken Griffey Jr. is out there as well because he was the kid. He was the original kid. Um, but they're out there and they're having fun and they're let the kids play and we're, you know, fuck the unwritten rules and all this bullshit. And he just looks like he's having the most fun. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if most of you guys remember this past off-season will be season. I, as a Rangers fan, definitely do not most of it. But I remember the controversy that came about. Uh, he had come to play us in Globe Life. And, of course, they were kicking our ass. And 
he hits a grand slam and he starts pimping it. And, you know, even Chris Woodward, the Rangers manager, got a little butt hurt and everyone's getting butt hurt, and, you know. But for one, you don't want guys to pimp things on you. Don't give them up, especially grand slams. Two, let the kid, he had to apologize for it. He basically was pressured to come out and apologize for it later, but let the kids play. They're having fun. I, it's like watching, to me, like Luka, I've always said about Luka Doncic on the Mavericks. He's playing his best when he's having fun. Like when, when the dudes, especially the young guys, man, they're still barely kids. They're barely adults at this point. You know, they're just having fun out there. The money's cool and that's great, but like they're just trying to have some fun and they're trying to win. And if they can do it better than you with more swag, they will. He is just an absolutely exceptional player. I love watching him. It's He's going to be fun to watch in baseball for the next 14 years. Uh, it's great that he's made. He's chose San Diego. I can appreciate that. And I love it. And, yeah, man, I'm excited. Hey, Texas, can we get somebody like this? Please. 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 But the Padres in general are not fucking around. Let me tell you guys what. Uh, this offseason, they have signed – Rangers fans, this one's going to hurt. Keone Kella, they've signed Jerks and Profar again. They traded for Blake Snell from the race, who, let me remind you guys, started that absolutely phenomenal game seven through six innings he had until the race pulled him, and they possibly lost that series for it. They traded for Hugh Darvish and a catcher from the Cubs. They have added what Hugh Darvish can be in a strikeout god and Blake Snell, which is a very crafty motherfucker. Keone Kelly, who's a solid, very solid bullpen guy slash closer. Jerickson Profar hitting pretty well for them last year, around 287 batting average. Uh, great utility infielder, can play pretty much anything on the diamond. They finished last season second in the NL West, and they were swept in the NLDS by the eventual World Series champion Dodgers. Now, that sucks, but finished second in division to only the World Series champions to lose in those same playoffs to the World Series champions. Not bad. You go out and add two definite dynamite pitchers, uh, a solid bullpen guy and a solid utility guy who you already had, keep him around. Uh, they're looking to be trouble, man. They are young, hungry, and they are back. They are not looking to take no shit. You know, they also have Manny Machado in there, who they signed a couple of years ago in that offseason to that big 10-year, $300 million deal. Um, the farm, their system continue comes up and looks good. Their young guys look fantastic. Manny Machado and Toddy Jr. are going to be, you know, the most peanut butter and jelly infield duo since your boys Elvis Andrus and Adrian Beltre out there. Looks sweeter than cherry pie. So I'm excited to watch, man. It's, we got to watch somebody winning baseball around here. Transition to a little basketball. LeBron James in the NBA passes 35,000 career points the other day. What else is there to say about the man other than a little bit of goat talk, I suppose? In the first half of Thursday's game between the Lakers and the Nets, he became the third player in league history to reach 35,000 points. Joining only Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with that skyhook and Karl Malone, the mailman. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, of course, tops the all-time list of 38,387 points. Karl Malone has 36,928. As it stands this season, LeBron James needs a little more than 3,300 points to catch Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. In every season of his career so far, he has scored at least 1,500 points, has gone over 2,000 points in a season 10 times. He is also one of the I'm sorry, he's actually not one of, he's the only player in NBA history to have 35,000 career points, 
9,000 career assists, and over 9,000 career rebounds so far. And I have no reason to believe that he may be can push 10 on the, uh, on the assist, depending on where he's at now. Maybe could shoot for close to 10,000 on the rebounds, but here's the thing, guys. He's 36 years old this year. He's in his 18th NBA career year. There's no reason to believe at the pace he's going that he can't do this, that he can't become the all-time leading scorer. And it will be a sight to watch and something that, honestly, I'm excited to watch and see if it can happen the next few years. I would be very excited to see it happen. I mean, what's records stand for a long time in sports, and that's great. But they're made to fall. Records are made to be broken and fallen. You know, curses are meant to be broken. The cut, like the Cubs' curse ending that in 2016 in baseball was one of the greatest things I've ever seen as a sports fan. It's absolutely fantastic. I mean, we got to see stuff like a triple crown winner in my lifetime. American Pharaoh became the first triple crown winner in so long. We got to see that. And I don't know, man. I love to see stuff get broken because that means new people can do it after that and after that and after that. So LeBron James, all power to you, brother. Go get that go get that scoring record. Become that all-time scorer. Hell, even hit 10K and 10K. Become the first triple-double dude like that. Do it. And nobody can do it but you. At least not right now. Now, guys, I just want to take a little time and apologize about last week. Obviously, we couldn't record. You know, we were having, I don't know if you guys saw in the news, you probably did, this funky-ass weather for the state of Texas. Um, there's some shit like we ain't ever seen, man. The snow and the ice we've seen before. We got some ice. We got some sleet. We got about six to eight inches of snow where we are here in north Texas. Uh, temperatures down to zero on Monday on a couple of nights. Zero and in the negatives. Definitely in the single digits for a few days straight. People in the state were without water and power for days. ERCOT, which is the grid system, if you guys don't know. Texas is the only state in the entire United States has its own power grid. Um, the rest of it is, you know, the western grid and the eastern grid for the, all the United States. Um, ERCOT is the company board, whatever you want to call it, that control that kind of like oversees and controls the grid. They came out on Monday, Sunday night, Monday morning early and said that due to a power overload, basically a bunch of generators have been shutting down. We had to cut a lot of power and there was rolling blackouts and something. So people were without water and power for hours and days at a time in some instances. I mean, it was cold as hell. It was crazy. And it not only affected all of us, it affected obviously the sports around us too. You know, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area at the American Airlines Center, the Dallas Stars and the Mavs had a full slate all week. They were back-to-back. Stars, Mavs, Stars, Mavs, Stars, Mavs. They were supposed to be playing home games all week. But because we were conserving power, we canceled. they canceled the games. The city and the team decided to cancel the games to keep the AAC off as much as possible and conserve power. I also believe, if I'm not mistaken, they used it as a warming shelter at some point in a couple of the colder nights, too, which is good. Good for them. So... It's a crazy thing, man. It was so crazy. It's like I was telling somebody just the other day or yesterday. I was so, you know, we all we thought about all week was what's the temperature outside? Do I have power and do I have water, you know, to get through this week, to get through this day even? That was so much of the focus for all of us that 
I got updates on my phone yesterday that the Stars had lost when they played and the Mavs won. Uh, the Mavs were playing in Memphis, but they both played yesterday finally after a week of not. And I was so surprised. I had forgotten. I almost forgotten they were playing. I did forget. I was surprised. But it was nice to see come back, especially for both these teams. You know, the Dallas Stars and the Dallas Mavericks, both of them got racked by COVID at the beginning of their years, respectively. Racked by COVID, so they missed about a week at a time each. And then they had to miss this week coming back from this weather bullshit. So you hate to see it, but you love to see it back. Sports, I think, are one of the biggest cure-alls. We can at least something you can do to forget about all the bad stuff for a little while, and it definitely helps in one of these situations. So salute to you guys. Welcome back. Uh, we're going to round it out with some pretty kind of sad and a little disturbing news this morning, this afternoon. I found out that Tiger Woods was in a pretty bad accident um, as of the morning of this recording on February 23rd. He crashed his 2021 Genesis going downhill on a winding road. Uh, he crossed the median before crashing into a curb and overturning into some brush. Uh, happened about 7:12 a.m. local time when the neighbors called 911. He his injuries were not life threatening though they did have to use the jaws of life those big you know giant ass metal clamps to pull shit apart they use for car accidents to get him out of his car. Uh, he was able to communicate and he was conscious, according to the LAPD sheriff. Both of his legs were injured. Yeah, both. He's dealing with lower leg injuries, and he was not able to stand on his own power. Um, upon further investigation, his airbags did go off. He was wearing a seatbelt. Uh, the sheriff said this likely saved his life, wearing that seatbelt. Always wear your seatbelt in your car, kids. Always remember. It appears that his vehicle was going at a relatively greater speed than normal. Uh, no skid marks, no braking, so nothing like that. Initially, there are no signs of impairment or intoxication, but tests are being conducted. I feel for Tiger on a bunch of different ways on this. Not only because, one, if all those back injuries hadn't derailed his career before, I don't see how you come back from this. You're already fighting your back tooth and nail. I mean, it's a miracle you got that Masters win in 2018, guy. I'm going to be honest with you, Tiger. I applauded you for that because all I had known for you in most of my life that I'd cared about sports was... The guy who was the GOAT got hurt and kind of downhill too early. So regardless, if that back injury wasn't what's going to take you out, this surely would be. I don't see how he comes back from this, unfortunately. Your back and your legs are literally, other than your hands, are the things you need most in golf. And it's how you do it most anything, really. If you don't have that, man, that's rough. But, Tiger, I hope you're okay. Hope you're doing good. I hope you, you know... Most important thing is get you up and walking again, brother. That's that's the most important thing to me. I'm sure that's probably the most important thing to you guys and your family. Um, to the media, please don't try to portray this. Let's not spend this too much based on the past of what he's done. He had that DUI several years ago. But I hate to see it when people go out and immediately just start getting shit on the speculation over what it is and what it was. Especially something like this. The dude went through a rough time in his life before and he's... Paid his price through a lot of different ways there. He's paid the price. And I'd hate to see him, his reputation get ruined one more time and smeared again over something like this that we don't know yet. So hopefully it's all nothing. Tiger, we hope you're good. And I want to see you back out there, guy. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Chivo Effect. 
Leave us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcast. It would really help us out. If you like what we're doing, you can support the whole battery of Uplift United podcast by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash upliftunited. It allows us all to keep making the content you like. Until next time, see you guys later.